a, a slow, meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with ourselves. We've had enough of bigging up everyone else and just without boasting about our own performances, our own lives. So you may know us as the host of the most elite running podcast in the world, but we have had some fun experiences throughout our careers and we'd love to share them with you from NCAA records to getting kicked out of classes. So it is your boys, Dave and Josh. You nervous, Dave? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little nervous, but I've also never been kicked out of a college class. I've been kicked out of an elementary school, but not a class. A whole a whole school? You got kicked out of a whole school. You got kicked mm, out of an elementary I mean, school. Uh, well, okay, yeah. I guess I was just kicked out of a class in second grade, but I was kicked out so much that it was more like I was just out of school. Um, our teacher would kick me out, make me sit in the hallway, and then as I was in the hall, I would hear her reading the book No David to the entire class so that when I came back into class, my extended uh, punishment was – everyone saying no David to me. So the way that I am today mostly stems from the scarring childhood that I had in second grade. It shaped you. It, it, it hasn't, yeah, I can kind of tell. Um, <laughs> but to change the subjects a little bit, we're sitting here in our Rose Gang collective shirts. How do you like them, David? Good? I do like them, yeah. We got them uh, through our past guest, uh, Grant Holloway. Rose Gang Collectives is a company that him and his buddy started. And it can be as easy as just dropping a rose on his comments, you know, like it's a sign of love, sign of friendship. And they extended that into the company that they have today. And these shirts are nice. Um, he only sent one sticker, or at least I could only find one sticker in the bag. I didn't tell you that, but I kept the Whoa. sticker. Yeah, I kept I the paid sticker. For them. You haven't paid me back for these shirts. Yeah, that's all right. I, I pay for you with friendship. And um, this podcast would be nothing without me. So just think, we wouldn't have gotten Grant if it wasn't for me. Um, but yeah, these shirts are great. Um, we got purple shirts um, because I think I look better in purple. I'll let you guys decide. But the uh, yeah, the shirts are great. And they may be our podcasting shirts for the time being until we get some of our own merch rolling. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But I think... You know, we, we put a, a Instagram story of, of kind of some submissions from people. And I, I think we'd, you know, we, we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't answer every single question. I told Dave that was what I wanted to do. And he was like, that seems like a lot. But, we, you know, we'll, we'll fire through them. And I think we'll put some at the front and put some in the middle and put some at the end because there's some pretty funny ones in there. So we'll try and, you know, keep a keep a an ear out for for your own uh, for your own question is that saying keep an ear out keep an ear out i guess so keep an eye out keep an ear out i mean if you're listening to a podcast you can't keep an eye out so yeah i would say that's a saying but we really appreciate it guys submitting all these questions because i know a couple months ago when me and josh were asking for questions we'd get like three or four and most of them would just be josh on his own account um <laughs> you heard you saw one of his it said uh, josh is a great speaker um he wrote that himself um so we just appreciate all the submissions. We got over 60 um, submissions, but we cut it off there just because of if we had a minute to answer every single question, we'd be over an hour. And that's kind of our budget anyway um, with the Skype free calling. So, yeah, we're going to hit it with a, a quick round of 20 questions that you guys submitted. And got, uh, do you want me to say it? Do you want me to start yeah, it up? For it. Yeah. Okay. Man, I am a little nervous, Josh. I'm a little bit more nervous just with you than I am with a guest. Really? Um, What's that? I think it has something to do with me having to carry the like comedic pressure of the episodes because typically the guest and I have a lot to deal with, but with it's just you and me, I, I got to kind of carry both of our weight. 
I mean, you definitely look the part if you're going to be a comedian because you look funny. I mean, what is going on in your chin right now? Yeah, well, I'm trying to grow out everything. It's all hasn't been shaved, but I've just got it on my chin. But back to the fan submissions. Um, Should we see more DMRs in the UK? It's tough to say, really. It's tough to kind of find a group that has, you know, the four all the way through the mile that, you know, I mean, in the US, you've obviously got the the distance teams that can, you know, an eight guy could move down to the four and then, you know, maybe a, a miler could go down to the 12 or the eight and it's easy enough to do and um, but I don't know. I don't know if we have that depth in the UK to. But I mean, it it would be fun, maybe um, at university level or something like that. It could be it could be a good laugh to to kind of put the DMR in there. I think DMR is very American. I'm not sure any other country that does it. They did had they have, it. Did they have it at the World Relays or no? Um, I think they had it at the World Relays. Did they have indoor track in the UK for like college? Uh, yeah. Lots? Yeah. Okay, they do. Yeah. But I mean, they don't they don't train really as a university, you know what I mean? It's like people have their individual coaches and 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 just turn up and and put their their vest on for Loughborough, St Mary's, wherever it is. So it's less of a team kind of atmosphere and going for team points. It's more just go there, do your job, and and hopefully you know turn some heads of some sponsors or things like that. Okay. So you know, there's this is this is a tough topic to be honest, because um, there's a lot going on in in the world of track and field with you know with whereabouts testing and stuff like that. And so, what are your thoughts on on drugs within athletics right now? Um, I mean, drugs and athletics. I don't really think there's a home for it. It's kind of like that ruins the integrity of the sport, and the people that would choose to cheat take away from those that are willing to do the right thing of being healthy and being clean. Um, I think there is a weird parallel that you could argue that having drug cheats in the field will enhance your own performance because you're chasing them as a clean athlete. So if somebody runs, I don't know, let's say in the women's field, 351 for 1500 meters, but you're a clean athlete and your previous PR was 356, but you just ran 353, that's impressive. Like you wouldn't maybe not have been able to do that had that drug cheat been in front of you pulling you along. So Yeah, but you're a- also going to lose that and all the money for like, you know, that's going to be a major championship. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose that on that money. And if you if you don't get it right away, you might not get a rollover bonus or, or you might get 50 percent of the money or whatever. And, and that's just a lot of money. Like I, I know that people have, um, you know, tested positive for drugs and, and haven't had some of their medals taken away from them from previous years. And I do. I, there's just no space for it, man. It, like it's it's disrespectful and it's tough being an athlete that turns up every day to work hard and, and to do their job and, and push the limits of the human ability when you've got people who are just cutting corners. And, you know, it's not like they're taking drugs and just sitting on their ass and, and you know, you know just chilling. They're, they're obviously getting up and doing their work as well. But it's it, it's tough to keep up with people who are doing the same level of work as you are or maybe a little bit less and then just taking performance enhancers. I think there's no there's absolutely no room for it. And, you know, in my mind, the way I look at it is they're going to get caught at some point. So I'm just going to continue to keep pushing on and, and do my thing. And I know this is something we're going to get into a little bit near in the middle of the podcast. But, you know, it, it, it just riles me up, Dave. It just gets yeah. me going. No, I can tell it riles you up. I mean, I'm pretty sure you asked me that question, but you went ahead and took it away. I'm um, in your own self-interest. <laughs> but I do agree with you that there really is no place for the sport. I was kind of adding a uh, uh, playing devil's advocate there with the points. Um for maybe for it but there really is no for for drugs in sport um what are some of the ways that we can grow the sport of track and field um allowing people to watch without paying um i think you know we have limited media outlets here and you know everyone wants to have like a piece of the pie and, and the piece of the pie 
um, might get them, you know, qu- quite a lot of money for for whatever small media outlet you are. But if you're continually getting people to pay for your content, then we won't get outside fans just to watch some of the content that you're creating. We just don't have enough eyes on the sport, and it's because you know we don't have the massive names and the crazy performances that get people to to come and and watch. Other than you know the Usain Bolts and you know even Mondo Duplantis is getting there. You know he he sold that you know Glasgow when I was there. I pretend that I sold it out, but I'm pretty sure he sold it out um, back in March. But you know, when people go to watch track and field, you need to have a consistent world world class performances across the field. And then they're trying to look at their Instagrams, their you know um, interviews and things like that. And if they're unable to do that because they're blocked by you know having to pay um, to watch you know content that people are creating, and then you know we can't just we can't get fans of the sport. Um, yeah. You know, I just don't feel like we have enough attention to, to you know. Um, and brands to be able to you know reach a kind of wider set of people that are you know into the team sports and you know things like that so I, I don't know that's just my opinion I don't it's it's a tough question really isn't it yeah no I would agree with you though because um, paywall I mean this is already such a small sport as it is in terms of the viewerships that limiting those views even further by making paywalls is just a huge turnoff for any fan of the sport but I do think on the to give us a, like a pat on our back and the people that we have on our podcast, like we're doing a very good job of trying to help grow the sport of track and field by adding these personalities, by adding this funny content. Uh, at least I think it's funny over the sit and kick podcast. <laughs> and if we continue to do this, hopefully we get more recognition and more fans of our podcast, but most, most importantly, more fans of our sport. And that's really why we started this podcast was to help grow the sport of track and field. Now we say we're that- well on our way. Yeah, I think, you know, we were very lucky to obviously have um, Drew Hunter on here um, last season. And I feel like that's something that Tin Man does mm-hmm. the best out of maybe all professional groups is, is is create content and allow people to see inside of what's happening and how, how hard we work. And, you know, like some of that stuff, like um, the NBA inside the bubble, all that stuff on YouTube, mm-hmm. like that stuff's going off. And it's because people want to see what it's like to be a professional athlete. And I feel like that's what Tin Man's doing really well. Um, and people can definitely take kind of a leaf out of their book to, you know, continue to show what we do on a day-to-day basis. And it's hard work, but it's also like a lot of fun, and it's nice to kind of see, yeah. you know, Dave. We're definitely talking too much on each. I know. Topic I was again. literally just about to say we need we need to quickly get through these <laughs> questions, or these people are going to turn off this podcast because we've got right, about let's, let's balance the next three or four. Go. Let's balance the next three or four. Which countries you beating next? Which country's champion you beating next? So oh, supposedly sorry. you beat the Craig Angles champion of the United States. Uh, what do you mean supposedly? Uh, okay, we won't get into it. <laughs> well, I, w- I would uh, argue, though, Craig isn't the U.S. champion is what I was saying. Not that you supposedly beat him. You supposedly beat the U.S. champion of Craig Angles. He won most recently, but I would still almost, champion in your eyes. I would still put Centro over him just because of the Olympic gold. What does that mean? 4-0. Oh, you're four and zero against him. Okay, sure. Yeah, you beat. Okay, you beat the country champion because you're four and zero against uh, Matthew Sensowitz. I'm gonna beat then the British champion, uh, Neil Gorley, next time I see him. <laughs> All right. Get what's over the, it, Dave. Now you get over it, Josh. It's been over a year. What's the best form of potatoes to eat and drink? Probably a potato smoothie. I mean, I guess you can drink mash, right? Can drink <laughs> I guess mash. so. I mean, what's I drink best? mash, hundred <laughs> percent. Hash browns, um, tacos or burgers. Um, probably tacos. Really? Burgers More versatile. I like burgers, but burgers get redundant. Tacos, you can have a steak taco, chicken taco, veggie taco, guacamole Bison taco. burger, beef burger, chicken burger, 
prawn burger. I don't know. All right, touche. Um, if you eat a prawn burger, let me know how that goes. Um, if, if you, you could, could pick, pick one. No, Whoa, no, let me read dude. it out. Let me read it out. Alternate. Josh, one, two. I'm odd numbers. You're even. If you could pick one non-running celebrity to banter with, who would it be? We also no. didn't really look through these questions, so this is going to be... Yeah, we probably should have done that. Um, to banter with? It's difficult to be on our level, Dave. I know, there's not a lot of people in the world that can be as banterish as us. Um, I would try... Oh, man, I don't even know. We're going to have to cut some of this out, right? <laughs> Maybe. I'll, let, I'll leave in the parts where you're stuttering and, and slowing down. Um, I'll, I'll banter with Eminem. Yeah. I'll banter with Eminem. I feel like he's got so much beef on so many people that he could probably talk talk some mad game. Jesus. I don't I'd banter, have one. I'd banter him and ask if he couldn't run nine miles and only eight. That's a joke, Josh, because of his eight-mile movie, but you don't get it. <laughs> Do you guys uh, think the DMR should be part of the Worlds or Olympics? No. You don't think no, so? No, I don't. No. I think so. that would give us an extra freaking job to do. Well, I mean, how about this then? You can only be on the DMR or what was the other one? Yeah, you can only be on the DMR if you weren't that's also boring, in an individual though, event. No, it's not. No, that, no that's, that's bullshit because people work super hard to be on the on the team, which is top three, right? And then what, you're going to bring a fourth person in? It's going to be what, the fourth best person of each country in each event? Oh, yeah, that's going to be fantastic. That's a good watch. opportunity for someone to uh, experience ah, the World Championships. Maybe, no, not in the no, world, no. maybe not in Olympics, but maybe in the World Championships. No, no, that's why you have Europeans, Pan Ams, all that. People can develop in other ways. There's no need to have a fourth member go to the Worlds or Olympics if you cannot get in the top Well, three. then what about 4x1 and 4x4 because they do the same thing? Yeah, I don't think it's right either. But they can okay. they can double back a bit easier than we can in the mile or the 12 or the 8. Has Dave ever beat a Kenyan? Um, for the sake of memory, I'm probably going to say, yeah, probably all of them, a dozen of them. I don't know. What's the next one? <laughs> Do you think that there should be an incentive for runners to lead laps? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean there is. I mean, there's I bonuses. You really? Where? Yeah, there's, there's lead bonuses. Um, I mean, I've been in a few races where the leader at, 1200 meters gets a 150 dollar bonus portland track festival does that um when it's a normal event no 150 bucks yeah Jeez. yeah i know it's a big sellout it's a big payday you want to go for 150 bucks oh falmouth mile also did that i tell but, you i tell you who does it best is um fifth half fifth half does oh, the half does it, yeah, the the half mile i think yeah, that's I mean, that pretty just cool gets a little nutty <laughs> that does get crazy because you have to break four to get the prize right Mm-hmm. You, you have to be first through the 800 meter mark on the fifth ave and uh, when you're running down the fifth ave um mile and you have to be sub four to to get the prize but i'm not sure how much it is though. i've never run it i want to run it. what's up you've run it right yeah i've ran it. i can't remember what the amount is i mean i never looked at the 800 meter bonus as something that i was going to go for um looking back at it i wish i would have just done it because i probably would have put myself in a better position than where i finished in the back anyhow so there's normally one person right there was normally one person that goes for it one or two people yeah i think one year clayton murphy went after it with somebody else and it just got stupid stupid competitive yeah i guess that is like first half is uphill and then the next is downhill right Mm -hmm. uh favorite person to work out with and why would you win a 5k and who would win a 5k duel um American and Brits. So that must be like two questions added in one. So you answer who your favorite person to work out with, and I'll answer the 5K duel. I I really like to work out with myself. Um, I like oh, to go solo God. quite a lot. You're disgusting. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's tough to say. It's really. I'll tell you who I like to work out with. I like to work out with the Beasts and Julian. That's my 
that's how I like to roll. You know, it's really, it's always really nice when we have a group, big group of guys, um, or even just the whole team, like group of guys and girls, just turning up to practice every day and 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 turning up and doing our thing. But me and Henry have been working really well together. And my boy Julian Flores back in Albuquerque, I love working out with him. He's just such an animal when it comes to the distance work, and you know he's a fighter when it comes to the speed stuff. So I enjoy working out with him as well. Um, Dave's pretty good. He likes the like one step and half step, and you know get on my shoulder when he doesn't need to be in, be out in lane two when he doesn't need to be, and trip me up and smell bad and have bad hair and stuff like that. But and I guess he's all right to train with as well. Only five of those things that you said were true. Um, so a five-key duel between Americans and Brits. I mean, I think this is obvious for you, too. Americans. I would, America. Yeah, yeah. Americans. Yeah, no, that's that. fair. 100%. Uh, hardest and favorite workout you've ever done? Um, I don't really – I don't know. We, we did that um, workout with Sawinski. Yeah, that's were what I was going to say. That? And that's who I thought you were going to say your favorite person to work out with. We did no, 400. Oh, dude. dude, I liked working out with Eric. That's who I would have said. Eric 400. is one of the best – yeah, I don't want to call him a workout here because he performs on the day, but he his workouts recently have been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean he's he's one of the most consistent anemometer runners out there. I've got to say he's also one of the quickest in terms of acceleration into a rep. Like when we did that 400, 400, 300. So, yeah, explain explain the workout first. Yeah, so we did a workout in Albuquerque. It was a big group of us. It was um. I don't know, pretty much everyone except Garrett, right? Yeah. And, and Garrett, Drew, because Drew was Drew. racing the next day. Yeah, because Drew was racing. And so we did a 400, a 400, a 300, and a 150. The 400 was, the team did it in between 47 was Brandon, right? 48? No, no, no. he ran 48, he ran 49 flat, because that was 49 and a half. Okay, so we ran, the, the whole team was between 49 and 51, then the second rep, 400, we had eight-minute rest. Is that right? Yeah. And we would try to do it again. I think it was like, what, 49 again to 51? Everyone was yeah, at the I think range. Eric was 49. I was like 49.99 probably. Mm, okay, probably 50.00. But then we did a <laughs> 300. You and Eric did it in 37, right? Yeah, something like that. Okay, I did it in 38. I do remember that one because I felt good about that. And then the whole crew was like <laughs> under 40. Maybe. And then we go into the 150. And then by this time, Josh was puking behind the stands. No, dude. So I didn't. So I'm really bad at reading workouts. And but you did. So when I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'll get there. So I don't read workouts that well. So when Danny's, I spent the last like couple of months like at school or whatever. And then the beast all comes to Albuquerque. So I have to like read my training quite a lot when obviously no one's around because I need to know what it is. But when everyone's around, it's like, well, I'm going to do what Henry does or Dave does or Razzie does, whatever. So I don't really read the workout. And someone told me the workout and forgot to tell me there was a 150 at the end. So, I mean, I'm going all out on this 300 and I'm trying to catch Eric. And I, I wasn't able to catch him. And we both run really fast. And then, like, I walk off because um, I know I, I knew I was going to throw up. So I was like, I'll go and walk away and do it on the grass somewhere where no one sees it. And I couldn't see for a while. And, like, my ears had popped and I couldn't really smell all that well. And so I was like, completely out of the game and so i was like throwing up throwing up um, and it was just like lactic and then danny's like shouts at me he's like Kerr. i was like what and he's like we got a 150 and i was like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> and um but i mean i ran i'm pretty sure i ran like the fastest 150 of everyone i mean yeah you also had the most rest so oh, whatever you want to pat yourself on the back time. yeah when you're yeah, sitting on your time. hands and knees throwing up in the corner obviously you're gonna run the fastest because you had 20 extra minutes than everybody else um the dog in me dude the dog <laughs> yeah um and then the last one before we kind of break into our episode and then return for part two of the questions 
Um, mental training. How do you guys prepare mentally for training and competitions? Which we're glad you asked because that goes into our racing part. Um, yeah, I think I, I take most things pretty seriously when it comes to races, especially this year because we don't have many opportunities to go out and perform. And there's no. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there, and I'll throw some shade at people. I hate when people say that they have a rust buster. That really annoys me. It makes no sense. Like people, are, people from the race freaking last week were like, "Great rust buster." I'm like, "Bro, that's your sixth race. How is yeah. that a rust buster? That makes no sense. That's just like such an excuse." Just a lack um, of for, fitness, you think? No, it's it's just an excuse. They're sitting there like, "Oh, well, you know, if it goes bad, it's probably because I haven't run 1500 in a little bit." Like, God, time, man. Like, you know, 1500. You've run it all your life. You've run it for the last five or six years, whatever it is. Do not call it rust buster. If it's your first race coming back from uh, injury or um, surgery or it's been like over a year since you've raced. I can understand if you're saying it's a rust buster and you're maybe like trying to get fit while doing it. But if it's your like fourth or fifth race, please don't call it a rust buster because it's just embarrassing. Um, you know, I, I, when I turn up to any race, I want to go out and give it my all. And, and um, if I have a bad day, search on my Instagram and make sure that I don't say it's a rust buster. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just about putting yourself in the zone. And, and I like to and take everything very seriously when it comes to you know competing because we're competing for a brand that's paying us money to do our job so you know it's very important for me to 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 turn up and and do exactly what i feel like i'm fit enough to run what about you div yeah no i'd agree with you i would say that i've had a little bit more trouble i would say with the mentality going into races throughout my transition of both high school into college and college into the professional field because i didn't adapt as well as i thought i would from my senior college to my first year as a rookie, like I had a lot of ambitions coming out. So when those things weren't getting hit, I felt like I was slowly um, deteriorating my confidence by just missing my marks. And so over a course of time, as those things piled up, I was just kind of, I almost felt like I was losing races before I even began. So it's, I'm on like a little bit of a flip coin for the mentality of races because in college it was just like, I'm going to win this race. Like I was hundred percent confident. Like I would go to the race, my senior year of college. And I'm like, you get ninth in the country for the United States as a junior, and there's 11 people in this field. None of those people could do what you did. So that was like my confidence. Like I just flat out told and convinced myself and knew that I was better than everyone. And then once I transitioned to uh, the professional field, that line was pretty much extinct because I'm like, none of these people can. I'm like, ah, bullshit. Like this is an Olympic champion. This is yada, yada, yada. So um, for me, it took a little bit for me to find my grooving confidence and then now, um, I feel like when I go into races, I can just literally say you're doing workouts that would have blown your mind in college, like the KPIs that Danny focuses on, which are called key performance index. Um, when we go into a race, Danny will pull back these workouts and these moments um, that he has marked as KPIs where he's like, you did this. This means that you can and are able to do this. If you don't do it, that's OK. You don't do it. But just be confident in yourself that you could do this. And so working with those KPIs, like I can just look back and, and just see the success that I had in workouts and that carried my momentum into races. And so when I'm going into a race, I just think like, I've already done the hard work. This is now actually the time where I can have fun and I can kind of work with it. And I like, I think you and I are a little different too, Josh. And like, I like to be a little bit more smiley, bubbly, talkative before uh, races. Like when I was leading into USA indoors, that day was Valentine's day. And I gave everyone on the team little Valentine day card riddles. <laughs> two hours before my race at USA's and it was my best race of my professional career. So 
I would just say like even on race day, I just try to be myself and I don't want to change anything on race day that I wouldn't do on a practice. So my mentality is really just kind of being me and being confident in myself that I've done everything to deserve to be where I'm at and the work that I put into this race um, is done already. So now I can kind of reap the reward. And then yeah. for races, I wait, did you want to add on to that? No. Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's tough. It's, it, it's really tough because the transition from a D2 champion to professional is definitely different from a D1 champion to professional because even though if we both ran the same time, it's a different, it's a different level of field. And I feel like the stereotypical D2 looking up to other athletes is difficult to get rid of when you arrive at the top level. Like, I feel like when you first arrived, it was like, oh, this person's run this time, this person's run this time. Like, oh my God, these guys are so good. And overthinking races is definitely mm -hmm. something that didn't help when yeah. when you started. And and that's something that I've never had. Like, I never, I never really used to look into races and stuff like that. But I feel like that's definitely something that you took from d2 and i feel like it's definitely a thing there because you know people are always looking up to to get to the next level and yeah. if anything you didn't jump a level it's not like you, you didn't do your last year at d1 but like it's it's such a different field where everyone's getting paid to do what they do and it's a job and they go out and do their thing and if you're not fully confident on the line against people then and you're not going to get scrappy then it's just it's not going to go well for you i don't yeah. think no exactly and so pretty much yeah, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, and I, like I said, like I wasn't ready for that transition, but now I am. So once I'm yeah. back and ready to roll, I mean, God fearing Josh, you need to watch out because I've, I see your race tactics now. And that's that's my kind of style. I can just sit oh, off, yeah. you now, kick it in, get a good old sit and kick on you. But yeah, <laughs> we're going to we're going to move back um, into our questions for a quick segment. And then we're going to go back into some storytelling of our own parts. Um, is David injured? Um also, top advice for high school runners. So this comes kind of in part what we're talking about for races right now. As Josh is ripping and winning races down at the Big Friendly 3, Revenge of the Friendlies, Return of the Sith, Darth Vader races, um, <laughs> I'm coming back from a PRP injection of my Achilles. Um, did some ultrasounds, and there's a pretty good amount of tendons that were what the doctor said frayed so it's like think of a rope when you put that rope through some use some of those little strands will fray out and then you're putting 100 percent of your force into a slowly deteriorating rope um so at some point it's going to get a little bit painful so we did prp in july yep in july and so yeah. i'm coming back from that working out getting fit on the bike um so i would say yes i'm injured but it was more so a preventative thing to where now that the olympic year will be in 2021 i'll be able to come back and take josh out in the, the olympic finals so um i'm injured but it's more of like a preventative care type act um so i'm in a good place mentally and physically now because i don't wake up in the morning with 90 year old achilles um <laughs> and top advice for high school runners i think kind of goes in part with what we were just talking about for races is like when you make that transition to college don't get caught in the comparison aspect and just know that your transition is going to take time and if it doesn't take time, that's great. But everybody's different. Every high school runner, college runner is different. So do what works for you and just be patient with the process because your results will go as long as you're consistent. Yeah, I think it only one thing that I wanted to tell high school runners is like for college, be yeah, be patient. But also it only takes one race to be True. somebody like yeah. for me, a race was, you know, indoor 2017 NCAAs when I beat Chez, you know no one knew who I was before that and everyone knew who I was after that and it took you know less than four minutes to be someone 
and, yeah. and to, to catch the attention of brands. So just keep chipping away, keep being injury free and do the little things and turn up and do your job and it will work at some point. Yeah. And I would say even on like a, a smaller level, my break, like the first thing that came to my mind was I won my conference championships mm-hmm. as a freshman and ran 350. Like that was a, I PR'd by 20 seconds that year in the 1500, but I wasn't in anyone until that moment. And again, like it took less than four minutes. And even when I ran 413 in the mile, like you don't have to win an NCAA championship to be a standout, but there is going to be a breakthrough race that if you can hang on and capture that moment, then things will be different. So Definitely. yeah, at any level. Yeah. Um, opinion on redshirting a season. I didn't redshirt. Our coach really? is four and out. Yeah. So I would almost argue that if you're healthy and you can race and you're ready to roll, do it. Because if you have a chance to sign post-collegiate, you're going to be a year younger, I, I think. Well, the thing is, it's tough to say. Um, I think the transition to college is difficult. And if you need um, the time to transition into your classes and things like that, then yeah. But I don't like the coaches that just um, just throw a red shirt on for the sake of it in a freshman year just because of lack of ability because you don't get the exposure of the races. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if you're able to red shirt and also race, then that's fine. But if you're just getting chucked a red shirt and, and you don't get to actually race at the level that you want to race at, then, you know, just be like, hey, coach, maybe can you just take me as a seventh or whatever, uh, you know, some, someone a, a little bit further back that's not going to score yeah. um, and just like work hard to make just make the team and, and, and go and experience what, what it's like to be like with your team and travel with your team. And, you know, college is a very, very high level. The NCAA is a very, very high level and it's not too far off a professional level. So, you know, when you get used to that and you get thrown in the deep end, it definitely you definitely realize you're not in college, uh, high school anymore and you'll be like, okay, this is how I need to deal with myself. This is what I need to do daily to get myself in the position to, you know, continue with this career or um, just make the most of it and, and have fun every day. Yeah. And the reality too for Division Two and AI D3 schools, um, from my perspective is you may be needed right away. You know, you may be a scorer on your cross country team as a freshman where if I were to be at a university at the Division One level, maybe I wouldn't have even been in the top 10. So, um, it definitely depends on the university that you're in, but I think open and clear communication with your coach is the most important thing when dealing with a red shirt. Yeah. Um, would you rather eat six Chipotle burritos or 10 McNuggets? Or, sorry, 100 McNuggets. Um, I'm not really a big McNugget guy. Um, after I kind of like, someone someone said there's like chicken feet and all that in there. Um, but I love Chipotle. But eating six Chipotle burritos might be a bit much. But, I mean, I'm going Chipotle burritos all day. Okay, I'll go 100 nuggets. I don't think this should be a challenge that we do, or maybe it is, but I'll tell you, your meal's going to cost around $60, and my meal's going to cost maybe 20 No chance. 20 or 30 Really? Yeah, dude. yeah, they load it up. They load it up now, man. Mickey D's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't go there often, but I think that's something that we could do. You take Chipotle burritos, I'll take 100 McNuggets, and we'll see how it goes. Easy. Um, most talented runner you've seen and why? Oh, man, I don't want to compliment anyone else but myself. I feel like I've gone through the ringer. Um, okay, I'll say Noah Lyles. Ugh. Yeah, I'll say Noah wow. Lyles, dude. That guy is a class act. He's a comedian on the start line doing his own thing. I would call him a talent because he's just he's beauty. He's poetry in mo- motion, you know? He's a B-Tech bolt, mate. Yeah, he is. <laughs> do you agree, then? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what what you uh what's your favorite spike to race in? I think both of us are the same for this. The eliminates, yeah. Yeah. Eliminates. Yeah. I mean even I would say the wire what was the wire before this wire? Well if we're on wire six, we probably had the wire five before. 
wire five was phenomenal when I first signed, and then mm-hmm. they stepped up and they eliminated, and I moved there. I haven't really tried the wires, the, the yeah. wire sixes. I think but, I think both of them are yeah, compar- comparable now. The b- yeah. prior, I would say that the wires are better than the eliminates, but now I feel like both of them are equal, if not leaning towards the eliminate for like a faster competitive race. Yeah. Why didn't um, you include Josh in your book, David? Wait, do you want to read that one a little bit louder? Why didn't you include Josh in your book, David? I am so glad you asked. I didn't even have to write this one. Long story short, I hated Josh in college. Still not totally over it if I like him or not. But <laughs> when I was gearing up to run the Division Two record at Azusa Pacific, it was the same race that Josh was gearing up to run the Division One national record. And so there was some, on my end, some uh, heated um, rivalry that I wanted to beat Josh. I knew that... If I focused on beating Josh, I would get the Division Two record. So I didn't really care much about the time. I cared more so about beating Josh and the guys that were in that field. So by focusing on winning the race, I got the Division Two record as Josh got his Division One record. Spoiler, didn't beat Josh. But I go up to Josh <laughs> after the race, and I'm like, hey, man, great race. And he goes, oh, oh thanks, bud. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, were you in that race? I'm like, yeah, I was in that race. He's like, oh, well, cheers, mate. And uh, I was like, yeah, I set the Division Two record. And he said, like, good job, bud. He called me bud, straight demoralized me, shot me down to the ground and said, <laughs> F this guy. So I didn't mention him once in my book because I was like, this is my day of setting the Division Two record, not Josh's. And I think I gassed up Justin Knight in that page because Justin Knight, like, congratulated me, gave me a high-five hug. I'm like, this is the future of track and field. This guy right here, Justin Knight, not this Josh Kerchump. But here we are. <laughs> doing a podcast with the one guy that i hated so um things change guys don't don't let first impressions ruin them do i get a comment on this yeah you can get a comment first guy ever to write a book about being fifth in a race you know <laughs> like get over it dude like i didn't know who you were because i was i was focused on myself and i didn't look into into stats and i wasn't a stat guy i know you're a stat guy and so I turned up to do my job, and I, my, my mate was pacemaking me, and then we had Lopez as well. So I was like, those are the only people I need to worry about. Turn up, do your job. And, uh, and yeah, I was, I was in the middle of, like, the best time ever. Like, Brooks, like, marketing team came out and watched it. I was like, they're no, They were also sign. there for me, for the record. No, they weren't. Yeah, I sat with them before the race, but it's cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Did they go and have a meeting with your parents as well or no? Yeah. Or my no, opinion? my parents didn't travel. Thanks for reminding me of that. Um, Why? Why? So I'll just ask you, go ahead and uh, will Josh retire when Craig beats him? If Craig beats him. I no, think I'll say, question. I'll say, will Josh retire when Craig beats him? <laughs> Craig is a phenomenal athlete, dude. I don't know why that question's in there. I was able to get the better of him. Maybe he's in a, I know he's running Monaco. And so maybe he's in a hard training block right now. Um, but, you know, I got the better of him last week and, and, you know, I need to continue to turn up and, and beat world-class runners. And I was very happy I was able to do that. Um, but what I will say, it was quite funny because we're standing on the start line, me, him and um, Sam Prackle. And your your boy Dustin comes and is like, is, is a pacemaker. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm going to go through in 154. And both of those boys turned to me like, Jesus, boy, you must be fit. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, you asked for 154, right? And I was like, no, I had nothing to do with the pace because I didn't. Um, so I was definitely in their head beforehand. But I uh, I just, I, I ran it the way I wanted to run it. And that was just 
you know these races always go out too hard so you gotta you gotta focus on yourself and i think i ran 57 57 57 for my three laps before closing so go out run consistently and and, and push hard when it needs to be so i enjoyed the race and so you and, still um, ran 154 yeah but we were three and 55 that's true so i ran i went out and did 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 the pacing job myself couldn't trust yeah. your boy dustin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he did a good job. I think he's racing the 1500. I think he's racing this weekend in yeah. the uh, I don't know what they're calling it now, the biggest friendly there has ever been ever. Yeah. Um, why does Josh wear glasses? Probably similar reasons to where I to where I wear glasses. Uh, our vision sucks. Oh. oh. All right. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> is Dave Indigo just ducking Josh? Uh, yeah, I'm just ducking Josh because Josh is on this all-time high right now. Um, and I would hate to come out of a PRP shot and beat Josh in a race because at that point, then what would his career be? What would any of his worth be? So um, I'm I'm mostly ducking Josh for the sake of letting him ride this high of winning these races. Makes sense. Um, could Josh bench Dave and could Dave bench one of Josh's legs? I'm going to go ahead and say yes to both of those. How much do you weigh? Uh, 145 right now. Right now. Yeah. What do you mean by right now? Do you like, fluctuate I typically a lot? fluctuate around like 140 to 142 when I'm not biking, but like I'm not really putting really? any contact on the ground. Yeah. That's I'm just sitting here behind this laptop pounds, editing. What's up? That's pretty good. You're staying fit, dude. Yeah. And for for I, <laughs> what I do find funny is I like for some reason um I typed well I know why I typed it I typed my own name into Google I'm that kind of guy. Um, because I was trying to find something, and the first thing that came up, I was like, I typed my name with Josh Kerr, and it said, "How much does Josh Kerr weigh?" Was the first thing that came up, and I get this question a lot. And uh, I would like to say, I I fluctuate. Uh, you know, this is this is the hot topics that people want to hear. Uh, yeah. I fluctuate between 160 and 170. I'm normally right now I'm on 164. Um, in in Doha, I think I was 160, and for my 5K, I was like 158. But I kind of fluctuate off season like 165 to 170 and then racing season like somewhere in between 160 165 um i'm six two so you know it's just all muscle really i don't think anyone asked your height though no they need to know my height you know that, mm, that wow this okay. guy's tall um are you guys ever going to bring listeners on as guests it's an interesting concept yeah, I mean, um, it'd be interesting if we did it like a live, like a Zoom call live, recorded it, made it a podcast episode live. I mean, we could do Instagram lives if we were sitting together and then we could do, um, bring people on just to ask like individual questions and, and maybe mm. put some some bonus stuff up like that. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, that's I something think. that we could try to work on. Um, If that's interest, uh, yeah, let us know. We can try to do a, a sit and kick listener special episode. Yeah. Um, sit and kick merch. That's Josh. that's a statement. Yeah, that's a statement. Yeah, I guess that's a statement question. Yeah, sit and kick merch. It's definitely something that we're formulating. Um, but the most important thing for us right now isn't making profits, isn't making money. It's just bringing out great content and great things for you guys to listen to, to expand your knowledge of the guests that we have, um, the careers that Josh and I have, and overall the track and field community. So if we create sit and kick merch, we're probably what are we gonna do, Josh? Sell it for free. So yeah, I had a couple ideas. Um. I want to lose money on merch. I think that's mm. a great business plan. Um, okay. I, I, I'm doing my MBA right now, and I feel like that checks out. 
And okay. so I think if we're going to do something like a hat or a t-shirt or whatever, we'll get your guys' input on it and whatever we buy it for and, and we'll, we'll, we'll give it to you for whatever we buy it for and with shipping costs and stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll love to lose money on that just to kind of get a bit of, get a bit of fun with it and, and try and create some, you know, shirts and what am I trying to say? Friggin' merch. That's what I'm trying to say. Merch for you. And um, yeah. just, just so you can sit in your, uh, sit and kick shirt and maybe go for a run or something like that and, and listen to the podcast so i thought it'd be a bit of fun and we're just trying to make it as cost efficient as possible because we don't really we don't want you to spend a lot of money on on crappy shirts that we buy uh, yeah 100 percent long sleeve cottons yeah we want we want we want some pretty crappy quality stuff that we can send out to you for like five bucks because that would be kind of cool <laughs> now we'll give that's you the goods though i mean that's something that we'll we'll work on definitely and we're thinking hats and things as well. A shirt that I want to develop is BYOB instead of the famous saying of bring your own beer. I wanted to say bring your own banter. So I think that's <laughs> something that we could trademark with a little sit and kick emblem and get some stuff sent out. But yeah, sit and kick merch definitely in uh, the development. But overall goal right now is to make great content, not great merch. So we'll get on that as soon as we can. Well, you know, I'm taking inspiration from from Dave and selling his book. How's that all gone, dude? The book sales are great on Amazon. Um, this was supposed to be in the banter bowl, Josh, but you're pulling me out early. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I had a, a personal website, davidmichaelribich.com. It's the link in my bio. And I almost think now that it was not a mistake to do that because I got a lot of great experience and it's a great website. But I've sold more books on Amazon than I have on my personal website um, since I've launched my personal website. And my Amazon's not even linked to my account anymore. So long story short, I pretty much have a dead e-commerce. So maybe I'll uh, scrap my own website. Sold, how many books have I sold on my yeah. personal website? Since since when did it go up and how many books have you it, sold? When it, you really want me to get into it? Yeah. Uh, since June 8th on my personal website, I've sold three books. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. Um, all but... I've had a lot more sales than that overall. So let's just say that this one little oh, e-commerce is a fail. Phenomenal. But How much did Josh, you spend on the e-commerce part of the website? Is you broke even yet? I've, shut up. I haven't broke even. I'll tell you this much. It was more than the $40 that I received for the three books. So we'll go ahead and stop. I'm so happy this is not a video because people can't see you laughing and wiping your eyes. Three books in two months? Josh, that's more books than you've read in two years. So I don't think we need to so? get into that. You're not a scholar. Who wins in the most epic thumb war next? Who wins in the net most... <laughs> three books, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just fucking phenomenal. Oh, um, man. Two wins in a thumb war? I don't know. You probably probably me because you'll get too sweaty. Yeah, probably. Um, gnarliest workout you've ever seen slash done. We kind of spoke about that before, yeah. but seen. Um, no. Yeah. I'm just um, gonna go out there. Yeah, just kiss is what he, he's skipping over. And at this moment, I don't even think I'm friends with Josh. So out of all the beasts, who's the biggest last rep hero? I'm gonna say Josh. Josh what? will take every rep at the last moment to just lean at the line, out lean everyone, flip everybody You're off, and say, liar, "I, I am the best ever." You know I have the etiquette. I, I like to sit behind people, give them give them some confidence on the last rep. I don't think we have really one of those. Maybe Dave, because he's a half stepper, um, so that's pretty good. How do you build your self confidence and not let doubt to get to you? Well, you write a book, you make an e-commerce page, and you sell three. Dude, I can't believe you sold three books. That's insane. Did your mom buy them or something? I'm I gonna bought buy three. Them. You bought three. 
Dude, that's so funny. Maybe I should go on your website and see what it's like. See if see if it's nice to you know scroll around on and and is that the only thing you're selling on there? The book right now? Yeah. I mean, I was before this. I was gonna say we could turn that into a sit and kick. Dot uh, com podcast whatever but because you humiliated me Dude, maybe i'll just keep it the website's freaking rigged www.davidmichaelribbishjoshsucksegsandisalastrephero.com it has a ring to it mm-hmm. um build self-confidence though honestly by just trusting yourself trusting your training and your coach and you put the work in to be on that start line for a reason so knowing once you get to that start line that you've done everything right is going to go a long way yeah definitely i think um you know, there's definitely a, a sense of inner cockiness, inner, you know, um, you know, boasting to yourself. You know, everyone, everyone needs to be um, confident and, and self-confident. And you can talk about it in your own head. Some people talk about it on social media. And, and I'm not really a big fan about people who tweet out being like, um, what is it? Uh, you, you're not ready for this and all that. Like, I just feel like that's kind of kind of weird to do. But I think you can be confident in yourself and, and, and you know, when it's overconfidence it comes out a little bit maybe on social media and stuff like that but you know it's definitely necessary for an individual sport where it's very mental so like the show me a real distance and i'll show you a real performance is that, that similar to truth, what so okay it takes okay. a it takes a ballsy man to, to chat shit before they even do the performance yeah so do their performances it takes it it takes a real man to do that it takes a boy to talk about it afterwards but um you know I, I i was ready for a real distance i don't know why we ran the k um i, I think you know in a, in a year that we you know don't have a lot of races i thought it was kind of pointless to run a thousand meters but i mean i enjoyed the experience and i have nothing against the meat the meat's been fantastic and um, they're putting on great great races for us all but i just didn't understand why we were running a thousand meters we don't need to soapbox this we don't need to soapbox this we we can keep moving on josh i'm just saying (laughs) um but it goes back to the race of course josh (laughs) i see you raced craig and decided to take it from the gun which you didn't you took it about 600 meters in um which funny funny enough actually you took over um i want to throw this at you you took over the exact moment you took over the uk champs except this one paid off did this race go as you wish UK champs would have gone? Did I do? Yeah, yeah. I did. I probably didn't close as hard, and we went out harder in the in this race last weekend. I don't know. Sometimes that's just necessary. You know, people people need to understand that if you want to run a fast fifteen hundred meters, the third lap is the most important lap because you're always going to be hyped up for the first lap, and the second lap is just going to dribble dribble along, and you'll get through a good eight hundred split. But that's when people just give up, and that three hundred meters is where you lose the most time. So if you don't have your foot on the accelerator and continue to punch forward and push push as much as you can then you're not going to run a fast time so you know no one wanted to go with me and i was like that's fine i'll, I'll go and do it myself i've done it before i'll do it again and wow you know, it, it's just the way that i work i want to yeah. you know in this in this kind of sense of pandemic and, and and we're not getting to race a lot i didn't particularly want to be handed anything and we're not going to get handed anything this year so i go out and i'll take what take what i want to have and, and that was to run sub 335 and and no one was going to hand it to me in that race so i just had to go out and take it nice so okay. deal with it get deal it with dealt it. with dealt with get dealt with um yeah. this is the last question then we'll segment back into our regular scheduled program the funniest drug test story either of you have had i have one if you have one uh, i have one i mean they're not funny but um, you know, they're funny. kind of funny gonna no I'll, I'll end with mine since yours is probably gonna be boring <laughs> so um for some reason, we don't get tested in outdoor and superlays, but we get tested indoor and superlays. Um, and for both of my indoor and superlays was at Texas A&M. So 
I used to get really nervous um, to pee because, you know, some weird guys looking at me. And so I was like, uh, and I was there for like three or four hours. And it's the worst because you go from like this really high and you get your trophy and you see everyone, you do the media and you speak to your parents and you speak to whoever. And then you just get chucked in a room for four hours and you're not allowed to go on your phone. So I, I was there. I was the last person there. And I definitely wasn't the last event to go in. So I was like, ah, OK. So I was there for so long. And the guy was like, there's a little trick that I, I, I like to do. And everyone knows the trick of having the water on, whatever. But he was like, if you want to get in the shower, you can get in the shower. And, and pe people always pee in the shower, right? So you can bring your cup with you and you can get in the shower and then you, you'll pee. And I was like, that's kind of weird. So this guy was watching me shower. And, so um, wait, wait, wait. You you go. That's weird. But then you proceed to get in the shower. I was in there for four hours, dude. I was going to pee some way, shape, or form. So I was like, all right. So I get in the shower, and and then I pee, and it was great. And so the next year, it was the same guy, and I just looked at him. I was like, we going in the shower again? He's like, yeah, dude. So I jumped in. But it's weird because people walk in, right? So all the other athletes that come into the toilet, the first thing they walk in, they just see me in the shower, just bollock naked just sat in the shower trying to like pee so you've got all these athletes coming in and out and at I'm this time the, the second year the drug tester was also in the shower yeah 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 well they have okay. to watch pee right yeah so he was in the shower with you he wasn't showering with me he oh was okay i'm, I'm really glad like it was that like out. open showers and then i was just mm. standing there just peeing and it, it was a weird experience and i definitely spoke to people after that and they were like you probably shouldn't have done that considering maybe some water got into your testing cup or whatever but i was like look dude that's just the way it goes. You got high levels of chlorine. It's not me. <laughs> exactly. What about you? Um, yeah, so I got tested at the Division II Outdoor Championships, and it was after the first year I won, so my junior year of college, and I was pretty pumped. I'd never been drug tested before. So I was just <laughs> like, this is awesome. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to pee in this cup. I'm going to high-five the guy after I wash my hands, and I'm going to leave. And so mm -hmm. I go in there, and the guy's like, all right, just let me know when you want to go pee. And I'm like, let's go right now. He's like, really? I was like, yeah, let's go right now. He's like, typically people wait a couple couple minutes after the race or 20, 30 minutes to get some water, hydration. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm ready. And he's like, okay. So we go to the bathroom, me and this older older guy. Um, and I get my little cup and you got to do 90 milliliters is the rule. And so I was like, all right, I could do that. That doesn't look like much. I start peeing in the cup facing him because you got to face him when you pee. Uh -huh. And I pee maybe 10 milliliters and he's like that's it and i'm like you're talking about the pee right <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's like 70 75 years old too and he's like oh okay i'm done i'm done and he just leaves and walks out what <laughs> and then, yeah and then i follow him out once i put my pants back on but he was like laughing like he he enjoyed it but he was just like a it was one of those ah, i'm done moments of like all right let's get out of here so then I go back and he was laughing about it. He's like, in all my years drug testing, haven't haven't uh, <laughs> haven't laughed like that when someone's peeing into a cup. I'm like, well, hope there's not a lot of times where people can make you laugh while they're peeing in a cup, but it's <laughs> happy to do that. So yeah, that's my drug testing story. Um, we actually have like a little segment too on USADA and the protocol of that because people were asking us. And um, so like how the testing works for USADA is there is whereabouts failures there's um missed tests there's obviously failed tests and what you have to do to be in the usada pooling is when you're at a certain level of athletics they'll require you to schedule your whereabouts which means i'm for sure 100 percent going to be at this location at this time like josh what, what's your whereabout time and location so this is this is where i like was confused a little bit but i'm okay now because i've emailed someone about it 
So my time is 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. at my house because I know I'm not going to get up before that and leave. So they can come knock on my door and they, it used to be 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. because when I, I used to run a lot earlier in Albuquerque. So that's my time. If I'm not there, then, you know, that's a missed test, right? But there's also something that I have to do, which is like regular activity. So I have to show them where an hour slot where I am like for training a day. And that's really hard. And I, so I emailed because we, we, we I mean, we change um, locations all the time and our chi- time change and we only get told 24 hours before or less than where we're going to be. And it's a nightmare to just put in where you're going to be the whole time. So I had to email and I was like, but you can miss those. Yeah. You can miss the regular activity ones. So I've just been putting them in. It's like, if you're there, you're there. If you're not, you're not. Um, and But th- yeah, but when they're knocking on my door at 6 a.m., I have to be here. And so for me personally, I have a alarm that goes off at 10.30 p.m. every night. And it's like a little ding dong. It's kind of cool. Um, nice. So And then I just go on and check where my whereabouts is and just make sure I'm there. And you can't go wrong at that point. Um, yeah. You know, so do you think it's hard to miss a test? My opinion has changed. Um, it used to be, I think it was quite easy to miss a test because I wasn't taking it all that seriously. Yeah. I was like, because they hardly ever came and tested me. I've been tested in home like three times. And I was like, you know, it happened maybe once every like five months, six months maybe. And I was like, all right, well, I mean, sometimes I got it right. I wasn't in that place. And maybe I was on a road trip or maybe, you know, I was over at a friend's house or whatever. So um, I was like, oh, it is quite easy. But like, as soon as like some of this, some of these stories came out, I was like, lock it in. Like you cannot even miss one test. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, this is part of our job. We need to take it really, really seriously. So I would say if you're, I mean, especially if you've missed two tests, man, I mean, you've got to be switched on at that point because yeah. just have your, just have your time being super early or in the middle of the night. I know that people get tested like Christian Coleman, all that get tested a lot, but I mean, come on, you can't yeah. miss three tests and or miss two tests and then continue to to continue to miss it get a ring bell get because you have an hour to be there and if they hit your ring bell it will be a notification to your phone and you can get back there yeah i mean so and that's like that's a, that's a small sacrifice that we make as clean athletes going into the world athletics because it's like i mean it's almost like like i have a hundred percent record for <laughs> um being there on time for my drug testing done? i've done one um so i have a hundred percent record i've done one but hey a hundred percent is better than a missed test so which would be zero um, for me, but yeah, like I was, I, I don't need to tell that story because it, I mean, it was just a normal drug testing story at 7am, um, or 6am actually it was at 6am, but mm-hmm. it, no, I totally agree with you that like when you're at this level, the small sacrifice that you have to make for making like, let's say a world championship team should be peeing in a cup mm-hmm. on a regular basis to prove that you're a clean athlete. Not saying that anyone's not a clean athlete in, in those cases or scenarios, but the decency should be that this is part of the job and you should take every aspect of your job very serious. Yeah, that's what I find. Um, I had a hard time with some of the, uh, I'll give an honest opinion on my um, thoughts on w- what happened recently with Christian Coleman and then recently with Manangoy. Because um, when it happened with Christian Coleman, well, he's missed five tests now because he missed one and it was fine and then he missed another. Was it four? It's four, right? Three plus one is four. Brilliant. Um, so... When that first happened, I really like Christian Coleman. I think, you know, as a person and um, as an athlete, I was, I'm a really big fan of him. So I was giving, giving him the benefit of the doubt every time. I was like, well, you know, like they're really hard on him. He has to get tested all the time. And sometimes the app's really bad because the app is actually really bad. And so like, mm, you know, a bit of a nightmare. I think he's still clean. But when it comes to Manangoy, um, the world champion of 2017, 
I was like, well, as soon as he misses three tests, I was like, cheat. He's a cheat, hundred percent. But that's just that's just you know me being you know biased. Um, but I want to have the same opinion for everyone. Yeah. Because you know it could technically a lazy person. It could happen to anyone. Um. So it's tough to kind of make your judgment calls on it. But I think, you know, it is part of the job. And if you're going to miss a three test, then you should have a, a ban. I think that should be the way it forward. I, I think if you get tested positive for performance dance drugs, you should be banned for life. And I think if yeah. you have whereabouts testing, you should be banned for two years. Okay. I think that's just the way we need to move forward with it. And, and it, <laughs> if someone has a banned substance in their system and they admit that they were freaking cheating why are they allowed to be back in the sport i don't understand that's still laughable to me yeah i mean and hence why that's maybe one of the reasons track and field is all not all not that popular because there are routes around that like you can be a great athlete in 2014 get a van and then you're back for the 2020 olympics you know mm -hmm. you could get popped for something but you're you still got a place it's like all right just sit in a corner come back when you're ready and yeah. you know it's, it's not like there are no david sitting in the hallway getting scolded and they're allowed to enter the, the classroom again and get hazed <laughs> and bullied and have that hang over their head for the rest of their life it's like they sit in the hallway they come back in and everything's fine so mm. i i agree with you that there should be a lifetime ban especially with um a positive test um i think there is mm question when you talk about like tainted beef and there's like there's so many speculations but most importantly like i i hope i can trust usada and wada and the governing body of drug testing to make the right decisions when dealing with those athletes um because i i do agree with you too when when you see you give people's benefit benefit of the doubts for missed tests but failed tests or but when other people get missed tests like what you said like menangoy was that what you said yeah like was that because he is a 1500 meter runner and like that was a little bit more personal because now you're 41st at worlds instead of 42nd <laughs> um I, I think it's more personal yes i think um i think it's from my point of view it's it's personal because his fellow countryman has tested positive for um mm -hmm. epo and i think yeah. you know when you have kiprop test positive then you've got Manangoy missing three tests and then you've got um chariot you know, running lights out all the time. You, you, you've got no other option to, to put question marks around it. And you can't sit, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, you know, they're all cheating and, and I, I've got to just bank on that now. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it is tainted that, I mean, it's, it's tough not to, to, to have that opinion. And that's an opinion that is easy to have. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to give someone the benefit of the doubt and then not give that other person the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, Manango might have just had a bit of a nightmare. Um, but yeah. I just I, I'm unable to see it that way. I really am. We're closing in on the one hour mark, and we finished all our questions except the ones that we felt were superior questions, and we <laughs> went ahead and added those into the ever famous exclusive sit and kick podcast, one of a kind section segment piece of the podcast entitled the what, Josh? <laughs> Spit out, boy! It's the banner bowl. The banter bowl. This is the famous, ever famous sit and kick version of talk smack with each other and try not to take things personally. And we do it with our guests. We do it with each other. Um, we do it with friends. Do it with everyone. Love, peace. Oh, I don't know. I'm just trying to make really funny sayings leading into this. Um, but yeah, we're going into the banter bowl. Um, so we appreciate everybody that put in those questions on the earlier portion of the podcast. Now some of them are a little bit trickier. But they're still pretty funny, and we hope that we can get you guys to laugh, get you guys to enjoy the, the last few minutes of this podcast. 
I don't want to ask. This I don't want to ask the first one either. Um, but I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and ask it. Um, who's the big? Um, well, my okay. my name is Ribich, so I'm gonna just gonna go ahead and say you can't spell without Ribich, you know. So, <laughs> and I won't leave that out with the little sheep sound. Um, I'll just leave that there, um, because nice. I say Ribich all the time. So, yeah. Should I can start calling you? I've called you Bish before. Yeah. I, oh, you got annoyed at that one. Uh, which did I didn't much Um, Josh, this is for you or maybe or me. I don't know. How fast can you run a mile at 200 pounds? 359.98. Nice. I've never done that. done that. But I'll let you know if I ever get to that moment, I will return to the track for one final time. Freshman year, uh, indoor, Albuquerque, five-second conversion, 359.98, first ever mile. I was definitely near that 200-pound mark. Yeah. Is it true Dave gets beaten? What did you spell this wrong? That was you that wrote this. Don't don't put it on me. <laughs> is it true that Dave gets beaten by girls in training? Yes, and I will also say that there is no shame for any male to get beat by a female in training. I have gone into the gym to do a weight circuit and seen Ali Ostrander doing calf raises with 35 pounds while I have 15 pounds on my knee, and I think, holy, <laughs> this is what it takes to be great. So yeah, I have been obliterated in training. When it comes to the track. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of put put down the groundwork and put some gaps on the women's fields. But um, in the gym, yeah, there's times in the gym where I have to say, no, go ahead, leave that rack. That's also what I'm doing. <laughs> on the bike, dude. You just got to say too bloody good. Yeah, and the bike, true. Yeah, I mean, yes. In short, yes. <laughs> All right, this question blows my mind, and I'm not sure how to answer it because I feel like it involves abuse. But – I'll sound it out. Given a baseball bat, how many 10-year-olds in bicycle helmets could you take out before they overrun you? Dude, I mean, if they're coming one at a time... <laughs> you, you, it you doesn't surprise me that him. you have zero hesitation to go into no, war. Okay, if these are like... It doesn't say 10-year-old girls, 10-year-old boys. These could Does be like it matter? Rather hit 10-year-old boys than girls or girls than boys? No, but it was a 10-year-old Nazi or something, right? So you're like <laughs> grabbing the baseball bat, right? And they're coming. If they're coming one at a time, I'm knocking all the amount until my arm gets sore. So like this thing, golf gets sore probably at 18 holes. So I could probably knock about 102 out, and then I'm going to start fatiguing. But it depends what recovery time. But if they all come in at one time, I'm saying I could probably knock out about 40. Dude, I legit <laughs> – I don't think I would swing the bat. I think I would panic. What are you talking about it's part of the game. No, I don't. I'm gonna say zero. I don't think I could. I do not think I'd be able to take a single one out because I'd be so curious and scared and like, it'd be something I'm not anticipating that like I feel like I would just panic with the baseball bat and then immediately get overran. And it's like uh, in zombies, you know, when there's so many zombies that overrun you in a video game, you're like calling to your buddies like revive me. That's what's gonna happen because there's just gonna be ten year olds and bicycle helmets just pummeling me to the ground mm. yeah no that's fair but it, like it's not like the, 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 the kids are like hat. sitting there it's not like they're all sitting there eating lunch they're freaking they're coming at you dude they're coming at you so if you if, get chucked in a scenario where you get dropped into this little like the gulag right yeah. you get dropped in the gulag with a baseball bat and some people are throwing rocks at you from the side and they're coming around the corner you're just gonna freaking crack well them, i can dude. i can tell you that if there were 10 year old kids in bicycle helmets eating their lunch, then it would be <laughs> just going around smacking them as they're just eating the people at their lunch tables. I would say that's a bigger issue than this. So maybe I'll I'll take one or two out 
but maybe then I get a rush and I feel really great by hitting these 10 year olds in bicycle helmets. Then but I'm they're like, not oh, gonna I die. Do- they're just gonna like fizzle out like they would in a video game. Oh, so they vanish. Like, poof. Yeah, they vanish. Okay, then if if I know no real harm is going to be coming to these ten year olds, then I will swing at every single You're one that comes out. Great, great question. If I'm being a honest, great question. And if you want more answers and questions like that, I mean, you have the power to the people. You can submit <laughs> random questions like that coming into the next episodes. Go, go ahead, Josh. Uh, Josh, how did it feel to finally ra- lead a race, a big friendly three? Dude, this is going to rile me up. You know it's going to rile me up. I lead races, and I'm going to continue to lead races for the rest of my career. And you, I, I mean, I'm going to enjoy, we're going to have to change the name of this freaking podcast to what? Front Running and Kickers. I don't know. It's the worst ever. Anyway. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, I did enjoy uh, leading a race, but I also read, led the race at Big Friendly too runners who talk the most no 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 no, shit. no, 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 no. we're gonna go we're gonna go back to that so josh how does it feel to lead a race the big friendly three i think it's just so funny how you got called out by danny jones in one of our previous episodes and that's what she's not she, runner race since she's turned pro yeah but but in her defense she just had one banterable question she came out with you with that and you just panicked like a schoolgirl. in that moment you were the bicycle kid helmet and she was the baseball bat so you got pummeled with that and yeah. since then we've gotten so many questions and and comments about that um, thing I would say that after this episode we need to lie Josh um, in a, in a different room and let him cool off before we ask him of leading races. Don't like swarm his inboxes. Don't you know his confidence is an all time low. We need to just take it easy for him. Go ahead and send more of those messages. Um, <laughs> okay. All right, go ahead, Josh, with the next piece. Um, runners who talk the most shit. Probably you. Really? You think so? Uh, I mean, I like to talk part. shit within our own group, like put yeah. bets on races and stuff. Like I've tried to call uh, Drew out for this weekend to put some money on this race, but he's not going to do it. And I put, I, I asked Drew to put money on our 800 time trial as well. Just, just a bit more fun. I mean, like inner betting um, within the group, but just it makes it a bit more personal. Like I remember um, oh. racing Kidder last year at the sunset. Like if he wasn't my teammate, would I have battled so hard with him? Probably not. Um, but I mean, I'm still, I don't think i've lost to a beast yet no so. okay yeah i mean you knew the answer to that in short you just wanted to sound it out like you no, weren't i think I, no i lost it in vegas okay fair um so, so yeah, running talk so much shit i don't know why so there's two parts to this um in 2017, when Robbie Andrews won the USA Championships in the 1500 meters, the post of Centro the next day was when you see Robbie saying, "Take what is yours," with like an eye roll emoji. Like that was pretty fire in terms of like some some beef over social media. But the b- the best beef and the biggest beef is obviously Lopez and Paul Chalimo. Um, we got to get, so, get both those guys on, and we both got to have that get settled over the sit and kick because. We get both those guys on here. We're going to let them take the, the episode away, and we'll just sit back. You team Lopez or you team Paul? I'm team Lopez. I'm, I'm team Chilimo, dude. Wait, are you really? Yeah, I love Chilimo. Okay, well, then you're wrong. Um, but we can settle that because if we do have both of them on, it'll be really easy to side with Lopez for me and really easy for you to side with Paul because you're boys, supposedly. Um, We're boys. All right. Um. <laughs> If you were gay, which teammate would you date and why? Garrett was the first guy that came to my mind. He's the most well, steady. The thing is day, dating is a very different question to like, you know. What? Kissing? Smooching? Yeah, doing it with, you know. So I would say Garrett is very well structured. His money income is probably looking pretty good with all his jobs that he has these days. Um, 
Yeah. You, so you're saying your answer would be different, though. We, you don't need to say who, because I don't. I don't really want to get into the the who for your smooching. But um, no, I said I, w- I wouldn't. But like, mm-hmm. if it's just dating and there's no physical aspect of it, I'm definitely going for Garrett's money. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, why would I go for like a David Ribich, where you know? I'm, I'm a passionate lover. Where he sells three books. <laughs> I, and, I can supply you with forty dollars a month. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Forty dollars for two months, all right? Yeah, too much. <laughs> it is August. Does Ribic have more whack college D2 cult things that need to be exposed? Hmm. Man, I definitely got a few that don't necessarily need to be exposed yet. But I will say some cultish thing that I've done is me and a group of runners ranging all divisions, not just Division 2, um, forged a brand out of a piece of barbed wire, put it in a fire pit, and branded ourselves over our hips. So there's a good 10 athletes, some of them All-Americans for the Division One level, that have this mountaintop brand on our um, hip, and that is very cultish. Do, Do I have one? Yeah. Yeah, I have one over my left cheek. I know, because you always talk about it. Oh. D2 things. D2 things. Um, story of blacking out. I've never actually blacked out. I'm a, as Josh says, vanilla. You know, there's a difference. I don't, I've, I've never blacked out either. I don't know what that's really like. I mean, we've both definitely been drunk uh, and had some no, fun stories. No, but... I haven't. My mom, my mom listens to this. <laughs> okay. So we're going to, beer rankings is a question. We're going to go, um, I'm just going to list them out to make it easy. But we're going to, instead of saying like certain beers, we're going to go IPF, Hef, Stout, Light. Okay. So what's your favorite beer out of like those? Like a Pils? Like a Pilsner? Is that yeah, what you're talking about with light? A light? Okay. Um, I'm going. Is it a hazy IPA? Dude, you just got to go with the flow. Okay. IP, uh, Hef, IPA, Pilsner, Stout. Okay. Well, that makes that question easy because that's the same order I would put. So really? I would. Yeah, Dude, I would Hef, also. Hefs are fine. Good. Yeah, Hefs are good. But Stouts Hef. are also good occasionally in the winter months. But. Stouts are pesh, mate. <laughs> A Guinness in Ireland is better than all the other things, probably just because of the ambience of, of being in Ireland. But that does actually conclude the segment of the Banter Bowl. We were going to go into like a little it. bit more conversation of a season two recap to talk about our guest, Jake Whiteman in episode one, Danny Jones in episode two, Kyle and Johnny in episode three, and of course, Grant Holloway in episode four. But we're hitting like the 75 minute mark and we don't necessarily want to keep you guys here all day. So we may do another exclusive episode in a few episodes and make another bonus episode of Just Us 2. But for now, we're going to end it with what we have already done. And Josh, I don't know who names this episode. I have a good name. You have a good name? Yeah. If it's three books in two months, we're not putting that. Is is that what it was? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, We'll think of some name. Maybe we'll just say bonus episode. No, dude. It's definitely going to have a name. Let me me have a little thing. Yeah, but we'll take a quick little gander over what it is. Josh, when you're ready, just go ahead and tell me. <laughs> Knocking out 10-year-olds with a baseball bat <laughs> to sell more than three books a month. Almost as long of a name as Ollie Horror. We'll think of something. And if we don't use that, then I'll just put a funny name. It has name. to just be, all right, like, count me down, count me down. All right, I'm going to count you down. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, Josh, at the end of the episode, we typically let the guest or the host name the episode. So, three, two, one. Help Dave sell more than three books per month. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Um, thank you so much for this bonus episode of season two where Josh and I finally got to hash out some of our pent up anger from having these incredible guests on the season thus far. And I personally appreciate all the support and messages that we receive into the sit and kick podcast because i feel as though we are truly making a difference and if that is true tell your friends get them to follow us we'll make some merch for you and sell it to you for exactly zero dollars josh anything you want to say before the world thinks you're just a total egotistical maniac i'm an egotistical maniac and that's how we like to end it (laughs) peace thank you guys so much a a slow Meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. Alright, here, David Rivage. Josh Kerr. David Rivage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivage.